This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. Are you doing all right? You should, because the presence is awesome. So no excuses, all right? Captain Marvel... No, I'm not going to preach on that. I'm kidding. <laughs> but in anyway, so I'm so excited to have you guys coming to visit us. That's going to be awesome. Uh, well done. You're brave, but it's going to be awesome. All right, the people are excited to have you, and uh, we're just going to have fun and just love people and share Jesus with them. That's not hard, right? That's awesome. All right. So uh, I want to share with you. I've been on a bit of a journey the last six or seven months, basically, just maybe again, uh, I mean, it's an old topic, but it never gets old, and I, it, it's something that I believe we can always grow in more, is, is just, you know, the sense of a prayer life that is active and alive and powerful, because um, and, and, I believe we're in a season where, where God actually wants to encounter us. Does that make sense? You know, he's always available, he's always to be found, but then there are seasons where I feel like God is just almost making it so easy for us to just see something new of him, because I, I, I believe that the body of Christ in South Africa, I believe we're going into a season um, where we're already seeing the acceleration. Do you agree? 2018 to 2019, okay? It's, it's a much different cup of tea than 2018. Do you agree? Who misses 2018 deeply? Right, that's what I thought, right? Who's enjoying 2019 very much compared to 2018? Yes, uh, yeah, thank you, Jesus. We're all breathing again. And, you know, 2018 was the wonderful year where, where God just came and He just revealed your heart to you. It was horrible, wasn't it? Yeah. It's like me. I always thought I was nice because my wife tells me so. And then at the end of the year, I realized you're not, I'm not at all. I saw my own heart, 2018, 17, and 16, I believe, was about a season where God was busy shaking the body, Hebrews 12, that everything will be shaken except that which cannot be shaken, which is the kingdom. God has been shaking the church. God has been shaking our nation. He's been shaking you as an individual to get you to a place where the kingdom will be the only thing that stands, Right? Because that's the only authority, that's the only weapon that we have, that's the only government rule that actually has the key and the answer for the season that we're in, all right? Because we need help. Do you agree? I'm not negative, I'm not, I'm not that guy at all, but I'm also realistic, and I look at our nation and I realize we really need help, right? And there's only one who's worthy. There's only one that holds that key that can open the door, that can release the grace necessary for us to step into our destiny. I'm not afraid of the future at all. I embrace it and I'm really excited about it. But I also realize unless we as the church learn how to bring the presence of God into our world, how to bring the supernatural, how to bring the government of God into your own personal life, we're not going to make it, right? That's just the facts, okay? So this scripture, um, in October, God started talking to me about this scripture. 
The reason why I mention that, and I'm going to talk about the scripture, is the point of the encounter with him is every new encounter shows you something about who he is that positions you for the season to come. Do you understand that? He's not just showing you a side of himself for no reason. You know, to Joshua, he manifested in a specific way, right? To Paul, he manifested in a specific way. To Isaiah, he manifested himself in a specific way. To Moses, etc. That, that burning bush encounter is to position you for the season that is to come. So God wants to show himself to you because there's something about to shift in our nation, right? I believe we're on the verge, we're on the edge of an outpouring of the Spirit of God like South Africa hasn't seen in decades. I believe it with all my heart. There's a long story to that. I'm not going to do that today, though, right? But I really believe we're so close to something special. That's why you'll find that suddenly things are a bit easier around you. Like you're doing the same things, but there's just more healing suddenly. There's just more breakthrough wherever you're going, right? And if that's not the case, we're going to help you with that today, all right? But this scripture in Zechariah 12, verse 10, has been really speaking to me. It's a famous chapter in the Bible. And um, I was sitting in the free state in October. I was just going, God, give me a scripture for the season that we're in so that I can understand, right? I need understanding. Who needs understanding? We need understanding. Do you hear me? We really need understanding of the times and the seasons we're in. Don't be going blindfolded through it. Don't just cruise through life. Just we need understanding, right? And that comes from time with him. So I asked him, and he gave me the scripture. I want to read it to you. I'm reading from the, uh, I think the Amplified. It says, then I will pour out a spirit of grace and intercession on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. And when I saw that, I just realized this is it. It's grace and intercession. Another translation says grace and prayer. The spirit of grace and prayer is being poured out upon the body of Christ. Right? And this is so necessary in this season. Grace is awesome. But grace means it doesn't matter what season you're in. There's ability to overcome it. Do you hear me? Doesn't matter what you've been through. Doesn't matter where you are right now. The Spirit of grace has been poured out upon you. His grace is sufficient for you. Amen? It's enough. Right? Doesn't matter how much load shedding we have. The grace is upon us. Amen? Doesn't matter what they say. Something is going to be birthed out of our nation because a Spirit of grace has been poured out upon us. Doesn't matter what the politicians say, doesn't matter what the races say, doesn't matter what the economy says, grace is upon us as a nation. I want to declare that over you. I want to declare that over you as an individual. The spirit of grace has been poured out upon you. Amen? And what that means is you need to submit, yield, and rest in that reality. Stop fighting, stop kicking and screaming, and yield to the spirit of God. Do you hear me? It's a spirit. I've been telling that to my wife for weeks. When things get hard around us, I just look at her. It's a spirit. <laughs> Meaning, it's the spirit of grace. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Right? It's yielding to His ability over yours. 
And that's what we as a nation are supposed to do. And we're a church, we're a body, we need to lead in this, right? The spirit of prayer. I'm going to talk on that a little bit because I believe that, you know, I think it was John Lake who said that people should smell prayer around you. You should be a person saturated in prayer. When people walk past you, there should be something different about you because you're a person of prayer. I don't care where you are in life, what age, what health condition, what social status, financial status. The one thing that every single human being can do is pray. Right? There's no excuse for you not to have a prayer life. And in this season, there's a grace for it as well. A grace to step into prayer, a grace to step into intercession, right? What, what, what did Jesus say? He said, my house will be a house of worship, prophecy, awesome preaching, phenomenal teaching. No, my house will be a house of, you are the house of God. I'm the house of God. I should be a house of prayer. You should be a house of prayer. Something needs to shift in the body where we see the power and the purpose of prayer once again. Where we start believing that your prayers actually make a difference. That your prayers actually carry weight. It's like Daniel, you know, because what, what's happened with us is we, we've gone into it. We're so instant in our gratification and our things should be instant gratification, instant solutions. Wi-Fi is too slow. I'm one of those. I hate that. It's too slow. Why is it waiting? Why are we waiting for this? You know, that's how we've become. But in our prayer life, we've kind of become the same. If God doesn't jump immediately, then, oh, no, it didn't work. And, you know, maybe somebody more anointed than me should pray. What a load of rubbish, isn't it? What happened to perseverance, patience? You know, God sends the angels to Daniel. I forgot which chapter it was. After he's been waiting, he's been fasting, crying out to God. The answer didn't come. And then the angel finally appears and he says to him, Daniel, the minute you prayed, I was released. But then I was held up in the heavens by the prince of Persia in a battle for 21 days. But listen to me, I'm here now. The minute you prayed, Daniel, I was released. Church, the minute you prayed, Heaven was released. I want you to hear that. The minute you pray, the minute you step into this place and you see God and you engage Jesus and you humble yourself before Him, heaven is released over your life. doesn't matter the instant result or not, but things started moving in that minute over your life because you prayed. A man of prayer is a man of humility, by the way. Right? If you don't pray, you're not humble. Prayer positions yourself on your knees, face down at the throne, saying, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I'm not gifted enough. I don't have the ability. I don't have the strength. Parenting is hard. You know, marriage is hard sometimes, never with my wife, but I know some of you guys, right? Doing life is hard sometimes. But a man of prayer is the one who will humble himself before the Lord under the spirit of intercession, and he'll say, God, I need help now. As a man, I don't know how to help my family out of this financial difficulty or whatever it is that you might be facing. 
That is the power of prayer. And for you to model that to a next generation will bear fruit that you cannot imagine. People that will see that you're saying that, listen, I actually believe that the minute I speak, God heard. And there was a response from heaven, right? The spirit of intercession is upon us. I want to tell you that. And what's amazing about this thing is that there's a couple of instances in the Bible where where you see this amazing story of Jesus' own personal life. Because I want to show you two sides of prayer this morning real quick. This is very practical. Well, I hope it is. Um, But there's two sides of every story. The one is you look at the model that Jesus played for you because it's me in Christ. I'm supposed to be like him. But it's also what is he doing over me when I'm doing that. Do you understand? So it's my response to the call, but it's also what does he do when I respond to the call. Do you hear me? So when you look at the life of Jesus, uh, if you just read the Gospels and you study his prayer life, it's phenomenal to see the discipline and the value that he placed on it, you know? If you look at the Scriptures, there's over and over there's these references like um, Matthew 14, verse 23, and it says, After he had dismissed the multitudes, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was still there alone, right? Then there's Mark 1, verse 35. It says, And in the morning, long before daylight, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed, right? So do you see the pattern in his life? Another scripture, Luke 5, verse 16. It's amazing because what happened here is miracles started breaking out around Jesus in this chapter. Healings were going everywhere. People were seeking him. They were just coming after him. His fame started growing. Do you understand? It's very hard when the anointing is on your life that fame won't come as well. Do you hear me? When miracles, signs, and wonders start breaking through and and deliverance start coming or breakthrough in finances, whatever it is, your name will start spreading. Do you hear me? And then if you're not a man of prayer, you will fall. Right? Prayer will keep you humble. Prayer will keep you grounded in those seasons. Don't let God's provision in your life make you prideful. Right? Some people's finances go so well, it's so awesome. Don't be prideful about it. Get on your knees, thank Him for it. Understand where it comes from. Jesus modeled this. His fame started growing. Then this verse, uh, Luke 5, 16, it says, But He Himself withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. Isn't that awesome? Everybody was looking for Him. Everybody was looking for a healing. And Jesus is like, uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm going to be on my own now. Why? Because he understood that he was the source of everything. Do you understand that that was what healed? That was what brought deliverance. That was what multiplied the food and the bread. That was what made him walk on water. Is this prayer life of his. It's interesting, the disciples, I have a friend who said it to me one day, and it just stuck with me. The disciples once asked him, What did we do wrong? Why can't we heal? Right? But they only once asked a question about healing. But the one thing they did ask him is, they saw him go up the mountain and pray, and they said, teach us how to do what you're doing there. They recognized that. Something in them went, that's the key. How do we pray, Jesus? 
what are you doing on that mountain? Because it feels to us like if I watch you, that's what I need. All right? All the gifts are available. Do you hear me? Ephesians 1 verse 3. It's been made available through the cross. The point is, how do you get them to function? How do you get them to access? And it's this. It's intercession. It's prayer. It's seeking God. It's to put time aside and say, I'm going to be with the Lord right now. I'm so tired. I'm so busy. I know. So am I. Let's get over that now and move on. Right? If we're going to wait until we're not tired, it's not going to come. That might be in heaven. Right? So let's get going right now. I'm sorry you're tired. Well, join the club. I've got four children. What's your excuse? (laughs) Right? Let's get going. Make the time to see God, to press into that praise. They recognized that on his life. And what's amazing is that not only they recognized him, but the people around him recognized him. Right? I'm trying to not keep you too long, so I'm going to... Just tell some stories. Is that all right? What gripped me the other day is I read this account of, of Jesus in Mark chapter 5 again. Remember the story with the lady with the blood flow? And then raising the dead girl, remember? And there's this amazing part. I want you to, to see this real quick. Mark chapter 5, verse 27 to 30. I'm sorry I didn't give you all the scriptures. It's my fault. I gave you one. So don't be upset with them, all right? I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Uh, it's the lady with the blood flow, and, she, and it says, When she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched, I love this, his prayer shawl. Right? So this lady is walking in the multitude of people, right? People are pushing against Jesus, and she's looking. She's been struggling with 12 years. She's bankrupt from the doctor. She's, there's no healing. There's no solution for her. And suddenly she gets hope. And she looks at him, and this is what amazes me. In her mind, she goes, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, that hem of the garment is the prayer shawl, or what they called, in, in, the Jews called it a talit. Have you heard that word? It's like this blue, white, and gold garment they threw over themselves that had tassels on each corner. And if you were a good Jew, What you did is when you sought God, when you prayed, you would take that garment. You don't have to do that. Relax. I just want you to see the picture, right? You would take that garment, throw it over your head, and that would be where you spent time with God. So I want you for a minute to see this picture. Jesus goes out into the desert. Jesus prays all through the night. Jesus goes out way before the sun sets up. And he goes and he takes this prayer cloth, puts it over his head. And he's engaging his father in heaven, right? Under this garment. He's just sitting there. One time for 12 hours just before he chose his disciples. Just sitting there, talking with his father. Asking him, Father, what are we doing today? Father, what do I see you do so that I can do the same? Father, what are you saying over Peter? Father, what can I pray for this city? Father, how do we touch them? Father, let Jerusalem come. Let the people bend. Let them see. Let their eyes open. Father, let healing flow through me. And this prayer shawl is over him, right? And this lady walks through the crowd. And something in her says, if I can touch his prayer life, I'm healed. Something in her goes, if I can just reach my hand, 
just make contact with that place of intimacy, my problems will be solved. That's who we're supposed to be, church. She looks at him, and, and, and I love how it says it, for she kept saying to, to herself, if I could only touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. As soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it, for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. I love these words. This is what I want you to hear. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him. I want you to hear these words now. For he felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed. I want you to see this picture. Jesus walks with that prayer shell after spending hours with his father every day. And he walks and, and a lady comes and she says, if I can only touch his prayer life. Jesus goes, somebody touches him and he says, my goodness, there's power that's always surrounding me. Always surrounding me. It's like surging around me. It's like Captain Marvel. I, I, I used it. <laughs> right? It's like this force field around him. Literally. And he felt, felt it left immediately. But what built up that power? What created that? What created the healing? What created the faith in that lady that said, if this guy touches me, I'm healed? Or better yet, if I touch him, I'm healed? It's prayer. She could smell it. She could see it around him. Prayer was saturating Jesus the whole time. And people knew, if I can just get close to him, I'm going to be healed. Right? There's another reference, Mark chapter 6, verse 56. It said, he went into a new village. All the people heard, they brought all the sick into the street. And the people said the same thing. If we can only touch the prayer shawl, we'll be healed. And it says, everybody who touched it got healed. The spirit of intercession is being poured out on the church. There's an invitation to pray and see God like never before. So that we can be the ones that walk and power surges around us. That people can just come into our presence and all they hear is prayer and faith. Right? That is who you're supposed to be. That is what we're supposed to look like in this season. Because a person of prayer is usually less vocal. Their tongues are in control. Do you hear me? They don't complain. They don't moan. They don't sing the song of the world when everybody's complaining and, and going this direction. Their tongues are under control. Why? Because they're people of prayer. They understand the power of prayer. They understand that every word is, is recorded in heaven. There's not an off switch in the realm of the Spirit, friends. Do you hear me? There's not an off switch. It means, oh, I'm praying now, so that's awesome, that's holy, but I'm out of that now, so the spirit world is not listening. No, it's listening. It's always on, right? It's always listening to what you're saying. We are our worst enemies because the one minute we pray these powerful prayers, the next minute we cancel our own prayers with negative, horrible words. We're our own worst enemies. Stay in the place of prayer. Stay in the place of intercession. 
right? Just behold him. This is the thing of, of, of Zechariah 12:10. The rest of that verse, what I love about it is this intercession takes you somewhere. It says, the spirit of grace and intercession will be poured out upon the people, right? And then this is what it says. They will look on me, whom they have pierced, and mourn for him as for an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn son who has died. I want to tell you something. This prayer thing is supposed to make you behold the Lamb like never before. It's supposed to take you into a place where you look at Jesus and everything on your inside starts breaking again because you see His goodness and His mercy. You see how He was wounded for your transgression, for your sin, for your sickness, for your disease. How the chastisement of all men were upon Him, right? You're going to look at that and something in our hearts needs to break again as we behold the Lamb. Because we're people of prayer. We're focused on Jesus. We're looking at Him. We're not gazing to the right or to the left. But it's Jesus, right? And we remember that it was our sin that put Him on the cross. Do you hear me? We put Him on the cross. We did. Our sinfulness did. We need to remember that. I don't know what background you come from, but I remember when I got born again, I had a rough, rough background. So when I got born again, I just couldn't believe the freedom. It was just, you can breathe when you wake up. You have hope suddenly. You just, you're clean. You feel free. I have nothing to hide, nothing to prove. I'm just, I'm liberated by the blood of Jesus and by the grace of Jesus. It's just the best feeling, isn't it? You come out of such a mess. Now, some of you didn't come out of such a mess, but you were still a sinner. I'm sorry. doesn't matter how nice you were. Before the cross, you were still lost. doesn't matter how pleasant you were. Proper. <laughs> right? Makes no difference. You needed the blood just as much as I did. You needed the liberty of the Spirit just as much as I did. I'll never forget... I'm, this thing is so vivid in my mind. I, I just got born again. I was still living in Pretoria. I come out of a conservative church background, so I knew nothing about grace, nothing about Holy Spirit, nothing about righteousness, none of those things, right? So I'm, I'm driving in my car in Centurion, and the next minute I just feel the accusation of the enemy coming against me. I'm like a new babe, maybe a month or two in the Lord, right? And he's just coming at me. He's just, blah, blah, blah. and he's just, you did this, you did that. How dare you? How can you think you can do anything for God? You're terrible. I remember I was, and he's just, blah, blah, blah. and I just start crying. I don't know what to do with this. I feel so embarrassed. I feel that guilt, shame, condemnation just come on me again. And I'm thinking, God, this is, I hate this. And while I'm driving, I'm having a vision. And in this vision, I see the accuser, and he's standing right, and he's like in my nose. He's just going, wah, wah, wah. And the next minute, Jesus walks right up next to me, right? And he looks at me, and he's like, don't worry, I've got this, you know? But I feel so dirty right now, because all my dirty laundry has been pulled out of the cupboard, you know? I feel so horrible in this moment. And he comes, and he stands there. And it's like he stands between me and the enemy the next minute. And the accuser comes and he goes again and he says, Hank, did you watch pornography? 
and I'm about to answer, right? I'm about to confess, because what do you do? Yes, I did. Yes, I used drugs. Yes, I lived an immoral life. Yes, I, you know what? I did it, right? And I'm about to confess again. And the next minute, Jesus jumps in right in front of me. And when the enemy asks, did you watch pornography? Jesus says, this is his words, right? Jesus looks at him and he says, I did. And I just break. I'm like, how can you say that? You're awesome. You're pure. And he looks at me and he says, I became sin, son, so that you can be the righteousness of God. And everything inside of me just broke. That's where we need to be again, church. He did that for us. He took my guilt. He took my shame. He took my inequity. And we need to be ones that mourn when we think of that, not out of guilt and shame, but just out of the joy and the awesomeness of who He is. He took that for me. Do you get that? He took it for you. We need to get back to the place where we look at that, and that becomes our place of joy. It becomes our place of rest, where we break for the one who was broken for us. He held nothing back. Do you hear me? He held nothing back to get you saved, to make it possible for you to be free and set free and delivered. That's why it says, and you will behold him, the one whom you have pierced, and you will mourn as for a firstborn. Isn't it awesome? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, right? In this mourning over the Son of God, the comforter will come. His name is Holy Spirit. I believe what God showed me is that as we can step into this prayer life, intercession, where we step into that place, we behold Him, we become broken by Him, the Spirit of God is going to be poured out into our brokenness over our love for Him again. That's the move we've been waiting for, is to step into that place, is to be broken by Him again, right? This is an active prayer life. It's beholding the Lamb. It's just sitting, waiting. Let that prayer just radiate around you. The power of God just surge around you, right? There's another dimension to this that I want to add to you real quick. I'm going to end with that. But it's, I actually believe that the spirit of intercession, it's us praying, but there's a level of it that needs to come where God wants to take us. And that is the level of tremendous breakthrough, freedom, and deliverance for you as an individual and for us as a nation. Listen to the words. It's a spirit of intercession. So a spirit is something that comes upon you, am I right? It works inside of you. So it's my intercession that we spoke about now, the discipline that Jesus had. But then there's an intercession that comes upon you. Hebrews 7 verse 25 says that He, Jesus, lives to make intercession for you. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus is actually sitting in heaven by the blood, and he's interceding over this meeting. He's interceding over your life. He's interceding over our nation. Jesus is making perfect prayers in heaven constantly over your destiny. That's the spirit of intercession. It's a place where you so behold Him that you become quiet and you start hearing His prayer over your life. 
Because that is the prayer that breaks every stronghold, that liberates a nation, that changes the atmosphere wherever you go. It's to sit under the words of Christ, what He's releasing and praying over you right now. Right? Jesus, there's a story. Can I tell you the story? Maybe I did tell it to you. I'm going to do it in any way. A friend of mine is ministering in America. Big conference, like 3,000 people, big church. And um, in the front row, his spiritual dad is sitting. Very prophetic leader, strong guy. Anyway, so my friend is preaching. He's going up and down, Jeff. So he's walking up and down, and he's, you know, he's on fire going, da, 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 da. And every time that he walks by his spiritual dad, his dad taps him on the leg while he's preaching, and he's like, Jeff, Jeff. Like, yes. He's like, I want to tell you something. Like, okay. He's like, Jesus is praying for you. He's like, okay. Thank you very much. And he kind of, you know, I'm like, I'm busy here. And he's going up and down, preaching, preaching, preaching. He walks by him again, and he taps him again. He says, like, no, Jeff, I'm serious. Like, whatever. Okay. And he goes up and down. The last time he walks by him, and he holds him by the leg, and he says, Jeff, you want to know what he's praying for you? And he says, sure. And he says, he's praying this. He's praying that you will do the same works and greater than he did. What is Jesus praying over your life? What kind of promises is his intercession releasing over you? And all you have to do is agree. All you have to do is give your amen to his prayer. Right? He did it with Peter, Luke 22, remember? Luke 22 verse, I think it's 31 and 32. Peter, Jesus looks at Peter before the cross and he says, Peter, the enemy has come. He's asked permission. He wants to sift you like weed. <laughs> That's what it feels like sometimes, doesn't it? But listen to this response. Jesus looks at him and he says, but Peter, don't worry. I've been praying for you. That your faith will not fail you. And he says, and Peter... Listen to this. He knew what Peter was going to do, right? And he says, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this. After you have turned back to me and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. He knew. He looked at him and said, he's coming for you, Peter. But I'm praying that your faith will remain. And Peter, you're going to fall. You're going to stumble. But when you get back up, listen to me. You strengthen the body of Christ. Do you hear me, Peter? That's what Jesus is praying for you in your lowest moment. This is the kind of prayers that's being released over your life right now. That is the prayer shawl of Christ that comes over us. Here's the interesting thing. That same word for him of your garment Right? If you look in the Greek and the Hebrew, it actually means wing. What does it say? Hide me under the shadow of your wing. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide. He who hides under the shadow of his wing. Do you see how that shadow is Jesus sitting and he's making intercession over you? And he's covering you with his prayers. And he's saying, come on, you can do better than this. We can do this. Malachi 4 says there's healing in the wings. The prayers of Christ is releasing stuff into the atmosphere constantly. And all we need to do is so behold him, get quiet, watch him, be broken over him. 
Start hearing what he's saying as he's covering you in that secret place where no one can touch you. Do you hear me? And all you need to do is give your amen. All you need to do is give agreement to that. It's to quiet down long enough that you can actually hear what he's saying. Imagine we can hear what he's praying over South Africa and we pray that. Imagine if you can hear what he's praying over your children, your family, and you can pray that. I'm pretty sure the one guy who gets good prayer results is Jesus. Being the Son of God. Seated at the right hand. Right? Something in our prayer life needs to shift. Because I want to be the guy that walks and power is surging around me. I want to be the one that people look at him and say, there's something different about him. I smell something on this guy. It's like Paul walking in the... Uh, he's, he's referring to it in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 15 where he says, he, I, I wasn't even in the mood to evangelize. I was in a bad space. That's kind of what he's saying. He says, but the aroma of Christ was around me. And people got born again in any way without me doing anything. It was, this, it was the aroma of life unto those who are alive and death unto those who are dying. You see, that's the prayer life. That's the same guy that said in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, I pray more than any of you in the spirit. It's that guy. It's that guy that ends every letter saying, would you pray for me? Paul understood this thing, man. Every letter is ending with, would you pray for me? This awesome door is open for me for the gospel. Please pray. He says, please pray for these ones. Please pray for those ones. He got that it shifted heaven and earth. Forget that's the key. Don't forget that's what brings change. And we need to move under that wing. I'm telling you, we need to run under that wing and just sit there and say, God, teach us how to pray. Teach me how to pray again. You know what I've been doing for months now is I sit and when I don't feel like prayer, I would just start saying, God, thank you that the spirit of grace and intercession is upon me right now. Thank you that you've given this grace to me in this season. And then suddenly prayer becomes the easiest thing. This morning I was praying from two until four. <laughs> and that's usually a good sleeping time for me. It's easy. You hear me? He wants to be found by you. But he needs people that will say, I'm going to take up that thing. My house will be a house of prayer. My house will be a house of prayer. What are you doing? How is your prayer life? Right? Are people smelling it around you? Are you beholding him? Right? Because he wants to show himself to you. He wants to show himself to you. There's a sweet intimacy with Christ available. It's better than life itself. And it's a gift that he wants to give to the church again. We've lost it a little bit along the way. He wants to give it back to us. Right? Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.